Well, we're looking forward to our time together uh, in the Word this morning, looking at our PowerPoint verse. And I would ask that you uh, pray for me this week. Got another busy weekend like I had a couple of weeks uh, ago. Uh, I am driving up to, I was just checking the temp in the back room. I'm headed up to Porterville this Friday, which is by Bakersfield. And it's a chilly 109 today there. So I'm headed up there Friday. I'll be speaking Friday night, twice on Saturday morning, driving home to be with you uh, for Sunday morning services. So I've got four messages to uh, package up this week. Uh, I've got one in the can, three more to come. So I would covet your prayers as basically I'm going to squeeze 60 hours work into 24. So, uh, but God can do anything, right? So I appreciate your prayers, and we'll see you next Sunday. And uh, pray for us, uh, pray for me as I travel and uh, speak. Now, this morning, as I said, we're going to look at our verse for the month and those surrounding it. So would you open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah 17. Now we've got a monument we're going to run into this morning as far as Bible verses go. And we'll get a little bit of more contextual clarity on that verse and what it means through our time together this morning, but most of us have heard that Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. And I have to say, anybody that writes a book called Lamentations is rightfully assigned that type of title. Now, Jeremiah was the weeping prophet because he was the prophet to a country that had turned its back on God, a people who were in rebellion, a people who were uh, practicing immorality and idolatry and in the previous chapter to ours this morning, Jeremiah would write in 16, 19 to 20, O Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction, the Gentiles shall come to you from the ends of the earth and say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, worthlessness, and unprofitable things. Will a man make gods for himself, which are not gods? Now this is what Jeremiah was dealing with. He was living in a nation that had rejected the God that had blessed them, the God that had protected them, the God that had prospered them, and they chose to make gods out of their own efforts and worship the work of their own hands. Is any of this starting to sound familiar? Now, our title and topic this morning, by the way, uh, we're going to get out of here before we all melt, so we'll have an abbreviated message again this morning. But our title and topic from our PowerPoint verse and those surrounding it is going to continue our efforts to encourage and exhort us for life in such a time as this. And our title for today is simply Trusting God Through Trying Times. Trusting God Through Trying Times. Anybody need to hear this this morning? Yeah, I think we all do. Now, we're going to find both our PowerPoint verse and, as I said, a well-known scripture this morning in our verses, so let's just jump in before we evaporate. Jeremiah 17, 5 to 10. Would you stand and read with me, please, from those verses in my Bible? It's safely in my car. So bear with me as I find the verses on my phone. Jeremiah 17. Wow, this print is small. Verse 5, thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes. 
but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought nor will cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And Father, we ask now your blessing on our time in your word. We thank you for the shade we can sit under today. And we thank you that, Lord, even in the midst of this heat, we can live life like a tree planted by the water. So teach us how to do that in these trying and troublesome times. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, again, we just have two points instead of our usual three this morning so our brains don't melt. And the first thing I want to draw our attention to is that trust is used twice in our opening verses, yet what follows are polar opposite life experiences that are described based on the object of an individual's trust. Trust in a man, live a cursed life. Trust in the Lord, live a blessed life. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems like kind of a no-brainer, which is the better way to live. Yeah. Trust in the Lord, right? Yeah. Trust in His Word. And Daniel 9, 1 and 2 reminds us historically, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years specified by what? The word of the Lord. Through who? Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now, Daniel was writing from the time that Jeremiah was prophesying would come. Jeremiah lived and wrote in a time where judgment was imminent and even predicted upon his own people for their trust in man and rejection of God's word, specifically in the realm of not allowing the land to rest every seventh year as God had ordained in the sabbatical year and his law. Now, letting the land rest when you rely on it for food requires what? Trust. And therefore, they were not trusting the Lord and did not obey God for 490 years. And thus the Lord said, I'm taking back the 70 years that you abused, and I'm going to take you out of the land and let it lie desolate for those 70 years, and therefore restore uh, the land. Now, do we live in a time where judgment is coming? Absolutely. There's signs, uh, according to Scripture, all around us. Do we live in a time where many people have rejected God? How about even most people have rejected God? Absolutely, we live in such a time. Are people therefore trusting in man instead of God? Yes, indeed. Now, Daniel, who lived in the midst of the days Jeremiah wrote of, also wrote about the days in which we now live, or at least the days that will soon follow the days we're in right now. He wrote about the days of the tribulation, and therefore the words of Jeremiah are appropriate for you and I, for we are living in a time just like his. Good is called evil, and evil is called good. God's word is rejected, and man's opinion is elevated above it. 
and thus the observations about the contrasting life experiences of those who trust man and, and personal strength over those who trust God is not limited to the nation of Israel. It's true for all who read and heed. Now, the word curse means to execrate, and that simply means to loathe bitterly. Let me ask you, are there people today in our country who loathe bitterly everything that our nation was established on? Absolutely, they're all around us today. There are people who hate our country, they hate people who don't think like them, they love evil, and they loathe bitterly that which is good. Now, why is that? Because they trust in man, namely themselves, making their flesh their strength, and their hearts, therefore, have departed from the blessings of the Lord. Now, because of this, Jeremiah says, their lives are like a shrub in the desert, and they can't see the good in anything. You know, I don't know about you, but I just cannot understand this defund the police thinking that is in our country today. It's, it's beyond stupid. It's idiotic. Amen? I just said stupid and idiotic in a sermon, but that's okay. Amen? Now, the reality is they can't see good in anything, as Jeremiah prophesied, and therefore their lives are parched and spiritually dry, and life for them is like being a shrub planted next to the Dead Sea. That's the meaning of the phrase, by the salt land that is not inhabited. Now, in the church age, Paul would say this in Galatians 1, 6 to 10, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, implying that there is no other, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be what? Accursed, anathema. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone, say anyone, anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. And Paul says, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Now, I think we all recognize the United States is not Israel. Israel has not been replaced. Hello? Israel has not been replaced by the church or any other group. They are still and always have been the single nation of God's ethnic people chosen by him, the Jews. He set his love on them and has not taken it away, even though they have been disciplined severely uh, in these past 2,000 years. But I think we do have to recognize, while America is not the replacement for Israel, nor is the church, many individuals in our country have turned away from God. They have rejected biblical truths, all the things that our nation was founded on, and they are living loathsome and bitter lives, and we are experiencing the consequences of being in close proximity to them. So how do we live blessed lives in close proximity of myriads who are living life like shrubs in the desert? You know? Well, we're going to find out. That's why we're here this morning. Now, you trust in the Lord. And your life experience is going to be comparable to a tree planted by a body of water 
And when things heat up around you, your leaf, which is symbolized, uh, symbolic of your life, will remain green, which represents being full. Can we live in fullness of joy right now? Can we live with our eyes fixed on the Lord and have a hope that is outside of this world and life, even in times such as these? Listen, I hate what's happening to our country. Don't you? I hate what's happening to our country, but I love life. I love being alive. I love living in this time of life. I have an amazing wife. I have a wonderful family. I have a rockin' church family, which I am grateful for. And listen, I'm not living in a state of anxiousness in this time of spiritual drought, and we are still as a body and as individuals yielding fruit while people around us are living life like dried-up shrubs in the desert in loathing bitterness. And all that comes from trusting in self instead of the Lord, all that bitterness, I should say. Now, here's our first of two points this morning. Listen, trust is only beneficial when based on truth. Trust is only beneficial when based on truth. People trust in a lot of things that aren't true, right? Is it beneficial to them? Well, of course not. It doesn't have that capacity. And Proverbs 3, 5 to 7 reminded us earlier in the year, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own what? Understanding. This is what Jeremiah was writing about. Trusting in self. Trusting in man. Trusting in the strength of your flesh. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It will be health to what? Your flesh and strength to your bones. Do you see any exceptions listed there? No, there are none. Does it say trust in the Lord unless things get really bad? Or trust in the Lord unless you're surrounded by loathing and bitterness? Or does it say trust in the Lord unless you feel something else is true or disagree with His word? No, we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. We don't lean on our own understanding. We'll find out the danger of this. Now, that doesn't mean we are mindless robots. God has given us wisdom, amen? He has given us minds to use. And when we are in need of wisdom outside of human capacity, he said, ask for wisdom, and God will give it liberally and without reproach. And the wisdom that comes from above is first pure. And boy, do we need some pure wisdom today, amen? Now, Psalm 62, 8 says, Trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Now we're going to talk more about this in a moment, but trusting in man and relying on the strength of flesh is foolishness when engaged in the battle for the hearts and souls of men. And if we're going to have the benefits of trust, then the object of trust needs to not be ourselves, but in the one who is true, the one who is the truth. Now, I want you to consider this this morning. You can have all that the world has to offer as it pertains to material things and privileges and still be like a shrub planted next to the Dead Sea. But conversely, you can have none of the things that the world has to offer by comparison and none of the privileges that many see so valuable today and yet still be like a tree planted by waters and be anxious about nothing in the year of drought. It all depends on the object of your trust. The benefits of trust are found exclusively in the truth, and there is but one who is truth. 
His name is Jesus, and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And trusting in the way, truth, and life defends us from the loathsome bitterness that is born out of living like a shrub in the desert by the Dead Sea. So let's move on as the thermometer, uh, thermostat moves up, I should say. So let's look at 9 and 10 again. Can't believe I forgot my Bible. <laughs> Familiar verse. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Now, the heart in this context is not referring to the organ that pumps blood through your body, but rather the figurative meaning of the word heart is what is acceptable here. And the word heart in this context means the center of feelings, will, and intellect. And the crux of this famous verse and statement is that in light of the aforementioned contrasting life experiences, why would anyone choose curses over blessings? And the rhetorical question is answered by the Lord because they are deceived by their own feelings, will, and emotions, or in a word, their hearts. Now, the question is asked, who can know it? If the heart deceives its owner, who can know the heart? And the answer is verse 10, which unfortunately is often left off of the majority of quotations of verse 9. God searches the heart. Amen? God searches the heart. God knows our hearts. And the Hebrew word for search means to ascertain. It says he tests the mind. The word test means to examine. And therefore he ascertains by examination what we are trusting in, which then justifies the life experience that we have and live according to what we read earlier, cursing or blessing. The object of our trust determines our life experience. Now, those who trust in their own feelings, will, and emotions will live like a shrub in the desert. Those who trust in the Lord will be like trees planted by waters that will survive the years of drought. Now, Amos prophesied that there was coming a drought, not a drought of water, but a drought of hearing the word of God. We are in a time where there is a drought of hearing the word of God. Amen? But we can, through trusting in the Lord, make it through this season like a tree planted by the waters, as David would write in the preface psalm, Psalm 1. Now, James reminds us in 1, 13 to 15, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it's full grown brings forth death. Romans 3.23, the wages of sin is death. Now, or I'm sorry, 6.23, Romans 6.23. This is what was happening with Judah. They were being drawn away. They were being enticed by their own desires and idols and the fruit of their ways and doings caused them to dry up spiritually and wind up captives in Babylon for 70 years. Now a reminder about Babylon is that applies to you and I today. In Revelation 13, 3-5, John says, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, 
And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Remember, fornication being symbolic of idolatry to the Jew. And on her forehead the name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Now here's why I wanted to point this out. Where were the Jews carried away captive to? Babylon. Where was idolatry born? Babylon. God said, you want idols? How about if I take you to headquarters of idols? How about if you live there for 70 years and see how empty it is? How about if you have that experience for 70 years? And the truth is, after the Babylonian captivity, the Jews never, ever returned to idolatry as a nation again. Now, therefore, because the people followed their feelings, will, and emotions, they wound up for 70 years in the birthplace of idolatry. In other words, they reaped what they had sown. Now we live in a time where thoughts, feelings, and emotions are determining the determining factor for people's actions. They are the defining factor for what is true, and for many today, what they feel is what should determine what is actually even legal. And the fruit of their doing is that lawlessness is abounding today. Aren't we seeing that all over our country? It's stunning and it's heartbreaking to see what's happening in our nation. Now, therefore, here's our final reminder this morning as we trust God in trying times and why we do so. Listen this morning. You ready? God's Word is always more trustworthy than our thoughts and emotions. God's Word is always more trustworthy than our thoughts and emotions. Now, if we want to make it through trying times like trees by waters instead of a shrub in the desert, we need to put our trust in God's Word and not the deceitfulness of our feelings, mind, and emotions. After all, feelings change, right? You, feel, you ever get out of bed with a crick in your neck? And you did nothing? I heard somebody say, you know, that's one of the things that tells you that you're getting older. You used to get injured playing sports and that, and now you get injured through sleeping. I'm sure we've all had that. You wake up and your back is out and all those things. Things change. Things change. Our thoughts change. We've all changed our minds. At times, we recognize that emotions are the most fickle of all of our feelings and certainly not a place to make decisions from. You're never supposed to make a life decision when you're mad. Right? We're not supposed to make decisions in those times. And even the world will tell you that there is downfall that awaits you when you are driven about by emotions. But the fact is, our emotions go up and down with the circumstances, so they are not a valid place to make our life decisions and determinations. But listen to what I believe David wrote in Psalm 119.11, even though the author is anonymous. It, it sure hints at David through some of the language there. Psalm 119.11 says, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Then 119.28, David writes, My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Verse 50 says, This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. Verse 154 says, Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. 160 says, The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures for three weeks or so. Endures for how long? 
forever. And then 162 says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Do you see the word of God as great treasure today? I hope so. For me, the choice seems pretty easy. Be blessed by following God's word or loathsome and bitter by following our feelings, minds, and emotions. Following his word, according to Psalm 119, keeps us from sin. Following his word strengthens us. It comforts us. It gives us life. It revives us. All of it is true, which makes God's word a great treasure. And yet there are those whose hearts deceive them into thinking their own will is better. Their standards are the right ones. Their feelings are make what they believe the truth. And that kind of thinking will lead to living like a shrub at the Dead Sea. Now, the entirety of God's word is true. Amen? And rejoicing at his word is like finding great treasure. Combined with the fact that the heart is deceitful above all things and exceedingly wicked, we should be thankful for having a resource outside of our own feelings, mind, and emotions to direct our steps and keep us from being drawn away by our own lust and enticed. Now, we'll close with this this morning. Psalm 138, 1-7 says, I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods I will sing praises to you. The false idols of the world is what is meant by gods. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Remember, someone's name is established by their actions. And when you think of one's name, uh, it is always associated with something that they do. And therefore, God's word establishes the authority of his name. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. Yes, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Some more people say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, listen close. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. And your right hand will save me now. Psalm 138 was written by King David. And David knew a little about trusting God through trying times. Now, if you're here this morning, and many of you are, and you feel like a shrub planted by the Dead Sea, check your proximity to living according to the Word of God. If you've moved from it, move back to it, and the blessings of God will be experienced in your life as well and you will continue as one who is like a tree planted by waters that will not be anxious in the year of drought somebody say Amen. and father we are grateful for this wonderful set of verses this morning and we thank you that you do uh, ascertain by examination what's happening in our hearts and therefore that which is experienced by us is in, in accordance with what is in our hearts that deceive us and 
and often uh, lead us or entice us into wickedness. So we thank you, Lord, that you are a God who transforms and even transcends the mind, emotion, and thoughts of man and gives us thoughts like uh, your word has uh, implanted in us and gives us the mind of Christ that we might think higher than we did before we knew you and have thoughts that are elevated above the mundane things of life and thus we can face trying times with rejoicing as though we were a tree planted by a lake of water when all around is drying up and shriveling away. So we thank you for your word this morning and help us, Lord, to take the things that we have learned, apply them to our lives, and, Lord, see that which you have spoken to be true as we walk in accordance with your word for your namesake and glory and for our benefit as well. So we thank you for your matchless word. We bless you, we honor you, and we give you glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said together, Amen. Amen.